Hey everyone, welcome to the Heart God Media Podcast. Uh, as a last-minute surprise, I decided to axe, uh, aka shitcan, the idea of doing the commentary for Tales from the Crypt Bordello of Blood. That episode will come out sometime in November, but in lieu of that, I've decided to do a Legacy Week. Legacy Week has returned here on the Heart God Media Podcast, and we are doing... None other than Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. And for part one, which you are hearing right now, today, we have Greg from Neon Brainiacs on today, making his Heart God Media podcast debut. Greg, say hello. What's up? Thank you very much for having me, Jesse. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man. It was uh, it was awesome to finally get on uh your podcast that that you have with ben called neon brainiacs and just to kind of uh we did uh we covered 976 evil back in the summertime and that was a, a lot of fun so for uh for anybody that isn't familiar with neon brainiacs give them a little uh synopsis of what neon brainiacs is all about and what they would hear if they tuned into neon brainiacs sure uh so we've been uh discussing 80s horror movies for uh you know going on almost four years at this point a little little more than three years i'm, I'm being a little generous to myself um but yeah uh my co-host ben and i um just kind of dismantle uh some of the best and worst movies from the 80s uh like you said uh not that long ago uh the three of us did 976 evil which was a lot of fun uh you know kind of in the interim uh we've covered some Movies that were not so good, uh, but also, you know, there were there were a lot of uh, movies that, you know, we've done recently and just over the, the tenure of the podcast that were first-time watches for me that I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, so we just kind of give you a little bit of everything and just make a bunch of stupid jokes, do a bunch of stupid impressions, and just kind of, you know, shoot the shit on 80s horror. Yeah, you guys do an excellent job at the breakdown of the film. So you guys... You guys will, will run through the cast. You'll run through, you know, other movies that actors of the times are associated associated with. And uh, you guys do an awesome job at breaking down an entire film. And there has been a few movies um, that I hadn't seen in a while. And just listening to you guys break down some of these movies I haven't really revisited in 15, sometimes even 20 years since I was a, a teenager and early adolescence and, and I'll listen to your guys's episode and it'll make me want to revisit it. Then I'll revisit the movie. I was like, Hey, I actually like this. I got to go pick it up. I got to go find a, a Blu-ray copy or a DVD copy of this. So you guys uh, do an awesome job as far as uh, revisiting these films. And I think people that have seen the films that you guys have covered, cause you guys have covered a lot of films at this point. And, oh, yeah. uh, and uh, you guys actually covered Halloween three. Yeah, it was actually, I think, our seventh or eighth episode because, like, right out of the gate, I was like, because we started, I think, in the middle of September in 2017, and I was like, I want to do Halloween 3 for Halloween this year because, uh, spoiler, I'm sure we're going to talk about it later, this is one of my just favorite movies, period. Not one of my favorite 80s horror movies, not one of my favorite horror movies, just ho movie, just period, end of sentence. I fucking love this movie so much, so I had to talk about it right out of the gate. So you're perfect for this episode then, because that's what these legacy weeks that, that I like to do are all about. They're about finding people who are passionate about 
certain films. So when we uh, we had made the post and said that we were going to be covering this, you reached out immediately, and uh, I very uh, very glad that you did. And uh, you know, uh, today deciding that this was going to be a legacy week, I I think uh, this all worked out uh, much. Uh, much better than I anticipated, uh, yeah, you know, canning an episode and turning this into a legacy week. So, uh, this is, uh, it's going to be a fun one. And this one has a lot of controversy as far as its fandom goes. It does, which I don't, I mean, I get it, but I don't, um, I mean, uh, it's, it's all time. This is going to be, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. By the time this is going to be hitting the, the air for your show, uh, we'll have covered Halloween five uh, for our program. And if you're going to have any gripes in the Halloween series, it's fine. Maybe look at five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe look at five. Maybe look at Resur- uh Yeah. Resurrection. Like Halloween three is fine. And I think, you know, obviously if people aren't aware, John Carpenter's original idea was he wanted it to be an anthology series. So much like an anthology film where, you know, something like Creepshow, you have five different stories within one film. This would be multiple stories in the same franchise. So the fact that, you know, Halloween 2 even existed kind of went against the original idea. Right. Um, and I, I really think that if this would have been more successful at the time in 1982, uh, we definitely would not, have had Michael Myers as like an iconic character, it would have just been like, Oh, that guy from those two movies from that anthology series. Right. And it was, you you know, the idea is ahead of its, was ahead of its time. And if Mm. you didn't, if you didn't have the Halloween moniker attached to this film, I think people would revere it more. I think it would be one of the upper echelon, uh, movies talked about for, you know, 80, 80s horror, because I feel like it is like, it nails that early 80s horror feel of films of its time. You got Tom Atkins, it's hot off the heels of the fog, creep show, same year. So like, I mean, and for the Tom Atkins factor alone, this movie, all of its merit, it's merited right there on the fact that Atkins is in it and Atkins is the goddamn man. I mean, I, I haven't mentioned yet, but uh, I I have resided in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania my entire life, which is where the man is from. Yes. So he's a bit of like a living legend around these parts. And actually, I'll start uh, just with a story. So last October, uh, I think it was early on in the month in 2019, the local science center, the Carnegie Science Center, uh, played like Halloween 3, like screened it as part of just like, oh, we're going to play scary movies at the Omnimax uh, in October. And Tom Atkins did an intro and a Q&A, and the place was fucking packed. Hell yeah! Like, it was incredible. Like, you know, obviously, if you've never been in an Omnimax theater, it's one of those just giant fucking dome bubble things. Yeah, that we got we got holds. one here in Syracuse. It's They're, they're, oh, they're pretty perfect. cool. They're pretty cool. Yeah. Holds hundreds of people. So this thing was, like, nearly packed to the gills with people that wanted to see this movie and see the man himself just, like talk about whatever the hell was going to come out of his mouth. Like it was incredible. Yeah. That's um. so you have a, you have a personal connection being obviously Tommy Atkins from Pittsburgh. You've grown up in Pittsburgh your entire life. You have an eighties horror movie podcast. Uh, so this is, it's just very appropriate that you're, you're doing this episode uh, 
with with me today for sure. So now, like we were saying, because this film has that Halloween name to it, and because the success and the 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 legacy of those first uh, two films, mainly the first, it kind of people. It, it's very it's like the Friday the Thirteenth Part Five syndrome. Oh, Michael Myers is not in it. It's dog shit. People also shit talk Part Five, but it has the most kills. It has the most nudity, so it's uh, like by far. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've talked about it. Uh, if anybody's curious and wants us to give a, a a quick rundown of part five, we covered the the entire Friday the Thirteenth franchise a few years ago on a Friday the Thirteenth, and we talked about Danny Steinman, who directed part five, and how he was a porn pornographic movie director. He was a as we call it a dirty bird. Uh, <laughs> but but uh so if you want to hear more about the dirty bird danny steinman the director of friday the 13th part 5 a new beginning you can check that out in our archives but um it's just this movie i think ahead of its time i think i think if this movie came out now people it would have that same like uh like good stink on it that like trick or treat has right now where it's just absolutely it's just uh, you know just snowballed into like gaining fandom and gaining fandom and this movie has done that at a much you know slower rate it's not as at an accelerated rate as you know a movie that came out in 2007 like trick or treat but this movie has its following now and there are people that are finally either always loved it and are, you know, have turned more people onto it or people that have found it didn't really like it or didn't really know how it fit in the Halloween franchise. But I think once you submit to the fact that it has nothing to do with, you know, the Michael Myers character and things like that, other than, you know, obviously originally going to be a spinoff, but it it's just its own monster to this day. And I think it's probably one of the most ahead of its time, unique horror films of the 80s. I could not agree more. And there's a few things I want to touch on that you uh, go for kind of it. mentioned here. Uh, so this is, like I said, by far just one of my favorite movies. So obviously it is reigning champion of the Halloween series. Uh, and it's funny that you brought up Friday 5 because that is probably my favorite Friday. <laughs> yes. Yes. See, this is, this is what the people need here. These people that are <laughs> like, I mean... I'll be the first to admit, I have no real true life outside of movies, music, and, like, sports, and just, like, nostalgia things from when I was a kid. So, my whole life is dedicated to it. So, when we fi I find the kindred spirits like this that are like, yes, Friday the 13th Part 5 is one of the best in the series, then you know, like, people are, you know... It feels like all is right in the world. Even in the midst of a pandemic, you're like, okay, there's like-minded people still out there. Um, but it is too. I got, I got tons. I got tons of controversial opinions. I just hit you with one over Instagram this morning where I said I like the Night of the Living Dead remake more than the original. <laughs> that's you know, you know, that's an interesting uh, take too because I, growing up, I saw that one first, and I remember seeing it. And I, 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 if I remember correctly, I probably saw it on like HBO or Showtime. And my, my, uh, my father was like, oh, you got to see the original, the originals, blah, 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 blah. And at the time I was just like, I don't know if I want to see a black and white film. I watched the black and white film. 
I love it. I love uh, the original. It's my like second favorite. It's my second favorite movie of all time. But the I understand why people because for a long time I loved the original more than the, the or the remake more than the original. Um, mm-hmm. because, uh, amazing cast, just like it was just a, another funky time in horror too. You know, early early nineties. Like it was filmed, you know, in eighty nine or whatever, but. That was a nice little Savini. It was nice to... I know that Savini didn't get to do all he wanted to on that film. Um, but I think that is probably the best remake or reimagining of a, an original movie ever in my eyes. And I think that opinion um, is uh, something that I, I've heard more and more. And it's funny because, you know, talking... I've, I've had small conversations at conventions with Tom Savini... Uh, and like even, um, a buddy of mine, uh, bought me a, uh, teaser shirt for the Night of the Living Dead remake for when they did a screening, they hand out, handed out t-shirts. Now he didn't realize, he didn't realize that he was buying it from John Russo. Cause John Russo like was, had a oh. little, had a vendor table <laughs> and he didn't realize he was doing it. He was buying it from John Russo and he's like, Oh, you want me to sign it? And he's just like, why is this random vendor want to sign this shirt? <laughs> Uh, but he ended up getting it signed and he, he bought it for me because I really wanted it. And I was broke at the time. Cause I had just met George Romero for the first time. This is Saturday nightmares, Jersey city, 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like movies like that, they're, they're films that I think, uh, if you explained it to a horror fan, like Halloween three, this movie is, you see Halloween, the original story with Michael Myers, Dr. Loomis, Laurie Strode, that whole you know, the bigness, the, the mega-ness of that film. And then you get a sequel, and the sequel is more brutal. Like, people, like, revere that. And then you get a spinoff, and people are craving for more Michael Myers, and there's no Michael Myers except for the movie Halloween that's being played on the television. Right. And there's a, an immediate, like a, like, a visceral, like, where the fuck is my Michael Myers? Same thing with where the... I think people, I would have loved to have been in a movie theater in 1985 when A New Beginning came out, and then people realized that it was not Jason who was wreaking havoc, and it was its own separate weird little movie, but it was still, it had all the elements that people would still like, and I think Halloween 3, to a a similar uh, extent, uh, has all the elements that people like, but because they went in expecting a Michael Myers Halloween film... They there's an like a, an immediate visceral reaction of like this is dog shit, fuck this. Yeah, and I I think too like you you made a really good point about Halloween too where it's like just on its face is a nasty movie like they sure. really upped like the gore count like he is probably I, I think Ben and I kind of discussed this on the show when we did Halloween too, but he is just an absolutely unstoppable force and probably his nastiest 100%. in Halloween two. So bridging the gap between Halloween two and three, when I rewatched three last night for us talking about it today, I always forget that it's like fucking gnarly. Like, Oh yeah. Starker getting his head ripped off is like graphic. Harry Grimbridge getting his fucking nose ripped out of his skull is extremely graphic. So like there is kind of a bit of a through line that's not just, oh, in this universe in Halloween 3, Halloween 1978 exists as a movie that's being played on TV. Right. And it's 
that, that's what's just like for the longest time it was frustrating to me because I remember seeing this when I was younger and it was on television and I didn't realize like back when you know there was no digital cable you just had the little black box that said the number of what channel it was on right and maybe the preview channel <laughs> yeah and of course the preview channel uh where I, dude, I still to this day, I remember trailers being pay, played on the little square corner in the preview channel. And I remember lines from the trailers. But I, I wonder <laughs> if they were like made trailers for like for that. Did they cut together things? Because I've watched trailers that I know were not like the trailers that I saw in that little screen. It's, it's, I've been thinking about that for a while because for Three Ninjas, like, I remember watching a preview for three ninjas all the time in the little corner. And for some reason I can't find that trailer because I remember like certain lines from the trailer. Maybe I'm just losing my mind because I haven't watched the preview channel since like 1996, but regardless, you might be onto something. I would love to, I would love it if the, the, uh, the channel guide, the, the preview channel guide, uh, channel was just cutting their own, uh, in their spare time of putting like, okay, mash is on from, 1.30 to 6.30, and <laughs> Married with Children's on for an episode, and then Salute Your Shorts goes into Salute Your Shorts. Uh, so uh, I would love if they were just cutting their own. Uh, they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll cut a Halloween 3 uh, trailer. We'll take pieces of the movie and make our own. Uh, that'd be great. But uh, I could see it. I could definitely <laughs> see it. I mean, I think I would try to – if I had the capabilities of doing that and I worked at the preview channel and I was just inputting – like, you know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off from, from 9 o'clock until 11.30. Uh, uh, Talk about a fucking dream job. Like, I'm just going to cut my own trailers. I don't give a shit. That would actually be... <laughs> you know, I think... Greg, I think we're on to something. I think we we ought to uh, start a new preview channel uh, for, like... I'm already sold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, granted, I'm sure people would just watch it and just be like, oh, let's see what kind of weird random trailer... Oh, there's a trailer for Sorority Babes and Slime Ball Ballarama? Okay. <laughs> it would just be like this just seems like an Eric Andre spinoff which yeah. totally for. <laughs> oh my god but uh but yeah this movie I think so Halloween 3 does like you were saying it has in watching it again I, I watch it every year I have to watch it every October it, it has to go on and honestly it it sees it, it gets priority over the original Halloween most of the time like I'll take Halloween out. I'll take, I usually from the original the Halloween franchise. I'll usually grab like Halloween, Halloween three, maybe Halloween four, just because it's like nostalgia. I remember watching that one on TV in the nineties growing up. Um, mm. and and then I'll usually grab like uh, like Rob Zombie's Halloween two, just because I I love that film and I know people people have their own opinions on on Rob Zombie's takes and uh, but. This movie, I just feel like it's it's one of those that more and more people are saying like, okay, yeah, this is a go-to Halloween film. This is because once you, but I always like I never watched it and had that visceral like, where the fuck is Michael Myers reaction to it? I loved the little tie-ins where Halloween's playing on the TV screen. I love like you know I love that Carpenter did the the score, which I honestly is one of my favorite scores I think he's ever done. Dude, it's it's probably my favorite score to a movie, just period. It's so again the even that I mean it's eighty two, so like the, the like early electronic like synthy stuff. And Carpenter has a new documentary coming out called Rise of the Synth that he made, 
talking about mm. how he, you know, came into synth music, how it inspired all of his films, how like he used it throughout all of his films and, and went on to, you know, tour after all these years, he goes and brings his show on tour. Did you, did you go and see him when he went on tour for his, for all making, you know, playing all of his compositions live? No, I ended up missing it. Uh, it, it just kind of hit at a weird time for me where like I could just not swing the ticket price as much as I wanted to. And I think the second time he came through, uh, zombie was opening for him. So I was like, Oh, I've been listening to this band since like they were basically starting out. Right. So like that, like that was like kind of a double sword for me to just be like, uh, just fall right on. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. It was, uh, so I literally, uh, and this is, this is like fate happening in literally the, in a moment's notice carpenter tickets go on sale. And I was just like, my, my account wasn't looking great. And I was just like, fuck, I'm going to have to miss this. And I swear to God, within that 10-minute period, I got a notification from my credit card uh, company saying that my credit line had been increased. I did not request an increase. And <laughs> it was the fastest I ever put money on a credit card ever. And Dude, I don't I'll blame you. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now. Uh, it was He played an old, a very old theater here in Syracuse called the Palace Theater. And it was, and it's where we go see like horror movies. Like they screen, they have the the Sean Lu Horror Fest they had there for a few years. They do like horror fests there. They have for fifteen years. Uh, so I grew up in my teenage years and into my twenties going to see horror movies at the Palace Theater. So I was like, oh my god, John Carpenter's playing like our like little like old school like theater. And it was it was a, a, amazing. So, if this pandemic bullshit does end and he goes back on tour, you have to go, dude, because it just it blew my mind. It was one of the best musical performances I'd ever seen. Mind you, the guy didn't dude, take I, a drink. The guy stood there, played his synth. His his son Cody, who is Adrian Barbeau's son, uh, mm-hmm. uh, is in the band with him. Uh, Dan Davies, who is the son of the guitarist from the Kinks, is their lead. Wasn't he in Norma Jean for a little bit too? I he was I thinking of somebody else. He was I think he was in uh you, you know what random band he was in? He was in uh CKY. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he was like, <laughs> world is small. Yeah. Yeah, he was randomly in CKY for like six months or something. Um but the band was great. Carpenter, I th- I'm pretty sure Carpenter truly is his character from Body Bags. Where he's just he's <laughs> I fucking hope so. <laughs> he's preserved himself with drinking formaldehyde because <laughs> So I'm gonna tell this story right now because we're just we're just cause without without John Carpenter, there is no Halloween three. I know it is written directed right. by the great Tommy Lee Wallace, who I love. Um but without this, there is no John Carpenter. And he does the he composes the theme. He you know, it's all you know, without him, there is no Halloween three as much as people think like, ah, he, he had limited involvement, but without him, there's no, there is no Halloween three. Right. So, uh, so I got the VIP package. I can't, I think it was like, I want to say it was like 150 bucks. Ooh. So the, the VIP package comes with, uh, a signed, uh, 12 by 18 Halloween poster. You get two items of your own signed. You get like a tote bag, and you get a John Carpenter, the thing, North American tour shirt, dude. 
yeah. totally worth it. Oh yeah. So we're waiting in line to meet him. And, and sometimes like John Carpenter is a very genuine person he, in the, in the sense that he says exactly what's on his mind. So like no filter on that man whatsoever. Oh no, absolutely not. <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> and he's just like, uh, he, he's always signing stuff. And I don't want, I like, I try not to punish people. Like when I meet them, like, I'm not trying to be like, Oh, what was this scene like? Or I'm not trying to do that. I'm like, Hey, I was like, I was like, Hey John, nice to meet you. Uh, can't wait for the show. Excited for the set. And I was just like, uh, I appreciate it. And, and he's just like, hell man, pleasure's all mine. And just the way he did it, that, like, John Carpenter-ness, I was just like, oh, my God, this dude is the fucking man. That's so sick. <laughs> uh, um, but, dude, he, he so he stood up on stage. He did the he did not take a sip of water the entire time. Harkening back to my body bags as the, you know, the guy in the body is the... the Doesn't crit- need it. Dude, <laughs> the last song, last song, he grabs, he gets ready, he grabs the water bottle. I was like, holy shit, he's taking a fucking drink. Uh, so he takes a drink and then he's just like, I want to thank you all for coming out tonight and, uh, be careful on your ride home because Christine might be out there. And then he closed with the Christine title track Fuck. <laughs> and I was just like, I was literally like, it's equivalent to like, I don't even, I don't even know what it could be like equivalent to. It was be equivalent to like, I don't know, hate breed playing an entire set. And you think they're going to close with like, I will be hurt or something. And they're like, I want to thank you all for coming out tonight. And here's worlds apart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like it was the, it was the, it was the same like re- reaction where I got goosebumps. I was like, felt like a little kid. And it was just, it was everything I would have ever expected from John Carpenter. He looked like a curmudgeon. He looked like he wasn't happy, but I was just like, thanks John. I really appreciate Hey, pfft. Hey, pleasure's all mine, man. <laughs> That's so sad. I would have staged a like right. <laughs> She's like, oh my god! I would have thought Blacklist yeah. started playing canonized or something. I would have just been like in the air. Like, did you see that? Like, fuck? I know it's inappropriate, but I don't care. <laughs> see that guy stage dive with John Carpenter's set? What the fuck was he doing? Is that the sun stage dive yeah. guy? What is he doing here? <laughs> oh my god, it's too good. But th- this, um, so this film. So for anybody that hasn't seen it. Greg, give us a, a quick synopsis of the film. Okay. I will do my best here. Uh, so basically it kind of follows uh, Tom Atkins' character, who's like a medical doctor, uh, who after an incident at the hospital he works at overnight, kind of slowly unravels this kind of weird conspiracy by a, a you know localish uh, toy company called Silver Shamrock to basically murder a bunch of children on Halloween using the masks that they've popularized uh, during this Halloween season in 1982. Uh, There's some questionable uh, choices made uh, between Dr. Chalice and the very young Ellie Grimbridge, who is also (laughs) his kind of sidekick slash lover that he's cheating on his wife with, you know, her and every other woman under the sun. Um, But yeah, there's like a weird... Stonehenge uh, subplot that is never explained, which I think is so fucking funny. <laughs> Literally explained away in one line that doesn't give you any back information that you're like, you didn't really answer my question, but I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> they, I, I love that they just like Tommy Lee Wallace. If, if I ever meet the man, I, I have, 
I have questions about Halloween three to him because I want to be like, because it's it's brilliant, but it also seems like a mess where you're like, ah, it's witchcraft. They're like androids. Also, Stonehenge. <laughs> like it's dude. You you know what? You could ask him. I don't think you're gonna get an answer because I actually uh, I read. Uh, I was kind of rehashing the the trivia that I had uncovered for for the episode we did a couple years ago. And somebody asked them about it at like a, a reunion or like a panel at a convention or something. They're like, okay, there's ancient Irish stuff with Samhain. There's Stonehenge. You have androids. There's like mysticism and like all this stuff. Like, what what is your explanation? He goes, dude, it's magic. <laughs> all he said. Well, that is the best. Like, like, just like I don't yeah, fucking know, man. Yeah. <laughs> fucking magic, man. <laughs> that is fun. so i mean that's probably that's probably the only answer we're ever gonna i feel like i don't like, need anymore why? i think that, i feel like that suffice i feel like i'm good with that because i take it so so now if someone ever if i ever show anybody this movie and they go so what's the deal with oh my god i gotta show my girlfriend it because my girlfriend she needs definite answers on everything she needs to i <laughs> like like I've showed her Donnie Darko. She's like, that's the fucking worst movie I've ever seen. There's no fucking answer. <laughs> and I was just like, and I, I try to like give her the Richard Kelly artsy answer, answer by saying, well, there is no answer. You come up with your own. You, you can write your own ending. You can interpret it. I don't want to interpret. I fucking paid money <laughs> for them. I was like, well, you didn't pay any money. I own the Blu-ray, but, and then she's like, no, I, I want I an paid answer. Money for you. Yeah. <laughs> I paid money. I want the answers. Uh, so I'm interested uh, to show her this just so I can. She's like, okay, so what's all this mean? I'd be like, it's magic. Fucking magic, dude. <laughs> and uh, this is, so Tommy Lee Wallace is, this is really his, because he was like uncredited as Michael Myers in the original Halloween he had worked with uh, Carpenter uh, on a few of his films, but this is like Tommy Lee Wallace's first like true ch- time to shine as a as a writer, as a director, and uh, you gotta think that some of the the leaps, and I guess the 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 bravery with some of the subject matter and the ideas behind uh, in you know, Halloween three that he put in this, I would assume that those, the people that liked it and got it, uh, you know, or is it, that's the reason he ended up getting roles, uh, in other sequels, uh, you know, Fright Night two, I had just covered with a uh, friends of mine on ready to retro. We just covered Fright Night two, which he directed. And, uh, but I feel like do you have a grasp? Because I haven't really looked and see, seen what like contemporaries of the genre think of Halloween three. Like, what do like other direct? Have you seen anything that other directors or people, uh, you know, peers of the horror genre think about this movie? Is this kind of just because I feel like it's not talked about within like the communities of like actors, directors. I feel like I never hear this brought up within like, you know, uh, Tommy Lee Wallace's like contemporaries of the time. It's, I mean, I think this is really just a textbook definition of cult horror. Uh, You know, you're obviously not going to have some, you know, dramatic director 
making something for an independent thing going like I was really uh I was really influenced by Tommy Lee Wallace's work on Halloween <laughs> 3. Uh, you know, there's there's going to be no notebook, too, that's like, I just wanted to make Halloween 3, yeah. but like for <laughs> Nicholas Sparks novels. Um, but I, I really think that, you know, this is this is now a movie that a lot of horror people are, are grasping uh, and just holding very tightly. And they're like, you know, I, I know it was kind of shit on when it came out, but... You know, it's funny because you mentioned Trick or Treat earlier, you know, just the trajectory that's taken since 2007, where it was kind of forgotten and, you know, not a lot of people, uh, you know, were on board with it. But, you know, fast forward 13 years to 2020, I work at Spirit Halloween and we sell out of Trick or Treat stuff as soon as it hits the shelves. Oh, yeah. Fucking love that movie now. Um, So it's interesting that, you know, you compare it to a movie like Halloween 3 because, uh, you know, albeit it took a very, you know, scenic route, as far as, uh, you know, getting getting to actually, you know, to people actually enjoying it for what it is and not just, you know, dismissing it because it doesn't continue the story from Halloween one and two. Um, but, yeah, I, I really think it's starting to have an influence on um, modern horror directors. I mean, obviously, there was, you know, one or two Easter eggs in Halloween 2018 that were put in by David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. So obviously, you know, those guys, um, you know, cherish the, the entire franchise, um, you know, at the very least, but it's also interesting that, um, you know, you mentioned Tommy Lee Wallace just as a creator. I mean, obviously he worked with John Carpenter multiple times. I think he might've even been a, a, a member of the Coupe de Vils. Is that correct? I know Nick Castle was in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe so. Yeah. But, um, the, the original, I think, book that Halloween 3 was based on I actually didn't even know this until last night it was written by a British science fiction author named Nigel Keane um, and I guess it was rewritten by John Carpenter to kind of simplify the story um, you know make it a little more of a you know tight horror movie and then when he handed it off to Tommy Lee Wallace Wallace actually rewrote it even further which I feel like kind of caught Carpenter off guard he's like whoa uh, somebody rewrote what I wrote? How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> but then um, Wallace ended up getting sole writing credit because Carpenter didn't really want it. And Nigel Neal was like, uh, no, it's too bloody. Take my name off of it. Fuck all y'all. Uh, wow. So Tommy Lee Wallace was like, cool. It's all mine now. <laughs> and uh, no shit. I think uh, he, he definitely came out on top <laughs> as far as this one goes, at least with me. Yeah, I, I was unaware of that. Uh the history of that as well. So that is, uh, wow. That's uh that's pretty interesting. And it adds to the, to the mystique of this film even, even more. I mean, I, just when you think, you know, you, 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 uh, you figured out, uh, you know, what Halloween three was all about. Uh, another piece of Stonehenge is thrown in, um, <laughs> <laughs> still throwing curveballs at us almost 40 years later. Yeah. I mean, what kind of movie does that? It's incredible. Have you seen the movie, the guest? I haven't yet. I've been sleeping on that. I am. I, you can tell I do a podcast about eighties horror movies because I am so far behind on like modern horror for like 90% of the part. I almost feel like there's that old Jim Gaffigan joke where he's like, he, he says he never watches movies, uh, you know, in a timely fashion. Like, 
he wants to talk to people about heat and everyone's like that movie came out 10 years ago go away (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of me with like most modern horror unless it's something i'm very much looking forward to or you know if we're you know in like in october i try to watch a little bit more um you know newer or modern movies i just i do a real dog shit job at it there's there's like a there's uh, there's some good movies but honestly it's like the i feel like to an extent horror movies are very you know comparable to like uh how like standard rock bands are viewed now uh when they ask older rock stars like the like brian johnson and angus young of acdc or if they ask you or if they ask you know someone on that level when they ask them oh like what newer bands are you listening to i mean they they don't they don't know none well that's the whole thing when they're just like when i hear some of these bands too even even hardcore bands because we're both we're both fans of the genre uh i'll listen to like a newer hardcore band and i was guilty of it for i don't know probably eight years not really checking out newer hardcore bands and it took mm-hmm. to like I got to this band Twitching Tongues and I was just like, oh shit, like I like love this band. And that's like the first of the newer, you know, newer bands from when I wasn't in my early twenties and what you know, my teens when I found that band and I was like, Oh shit, like and then I started checking out other stuff. But it's like the old like Tony Iomi thing, like, oh we like you know, all the best riffs were already written. You know, all the best horror movies were are you know, already came in in the eighties, I think a lot of people say, but I also think, I I think it was such a golden age. And I think at the time it seemed like it was oversaturated by people that were in the thick of it. And now mm. we, we look back with, with rose colored glasses and talk about how great the eighties were. But I think at the time it, for a lot of people, it felt like oversaturation. That's uh, so funny too, because I feel like now, where you know everyone says like oh all the good you know horror stories were already told 30 40 years ago but it's like i don't see i don't see an equivalent to get out from 30 or 40 years ago i don't see an equivalent to anything robert eggers is doing 30 or 40 years ago right like you know it, it if you're talking like slasher movies yeah sure everyone's following the same fucking formula you know and sometimes that's cool and sometimes you're just like uh whatever but like I think there's still plenty of original stories to tell. So I feel like that's just kind of a crotchety old man thing to say. No, no, it definitely is. And, and I feel like that's why a lot of these films aren't really discovered is because that narrative is put out there by, you know, uh, you know, the older generations or like people from that era. It's, it's very much like, I mean, to make comparisons with with movies and music all the time, I, I do feel like uh, a lot of hair metal guys always say this, like, oh, you know, the music ain't the same. You know, Nirvana came and changed everything and stuff like that. When in in truth, I mean, and I, I, there's a I have a couple hair bands that I absolutely adore. Uh, mm-hmm. D- Dawkins Dawkins in my top ten favorite bands all time. Uh, my man. It, <laughs> And, uh, but at the same time, I do think Alice in Chains was better than like a a plethora of other bands and had way better songs and way better riffs and things like that. But it's all like these narratives are, again, we go back to like the narrative Halloween three didn't have Michael Myers. So it's, 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 you know, not a great film or it's not a good film, but I feel like a lot of people, and I know a lot of people in the horror 
community that either don't fully watch the films or think they know what they're about. Oh, it's a movie without Michael Myers and there's a weird stuff in it. I'm going to skip over this one and go right from two to four. Uh, Same thing. I know for a fact, people, people I used to call friends would say, you know, oh, I skip over part five in Friday the 13th. I go from final chapter right to Jason Lives. Now, don't get me wrong. Mm -mm. Those two movies are two great films and they're two fan favorites within the within the, uh, you know, the Friday the 13th franchise. But by skipping over a film and writing it off. When, like we we said at the you know, the top of the show, it's got the most kills, it's got the most nudity, it's the most Friday the 13th movie, uh, all the elements that makes that franchise what it is, it has the most of that in that film. Right, and you know, it's people write it off for the final five minutes, so it's almost like... It, in, in comparison, it's like, okay, I can understand writing off Halloween 3, because the only Michael Myers you get is on TV, but like... Friday five. I mean, if you omit the last, you know, five minutes, it's still a, a, a solid Jason movie. You don't know it's Roy. Sorry. Spoiler for a movie that's 35 years old. <laughs> no, no, exactly. I feel like if they would have went in there and changed the ending and it was, it was Jason Voorhees as the killer. That would have been, I think that would have been the best. The people would have revered that one, the way they revered uh final chapter or Jason lives. I almost think, too, that, like, Friday Five gets something right where exploring the idea of a copycat is very interesting because you could very easily do that in a Halloween film. I mean, obviously, in Halloween 2, you get Ben Tramer, who's wearing the same costume. You get um, Spitz in Halloween 5, who ends up, you know, pulling a prank by, you know, dressing up as Michael Myers. But um I, I feel like there's probably a, a couple of um, franchises that could get away with the copycat thing like they do with Roy in part five, but just never explore it. And then everyone kind of shits on it. It's like, no, that's actually a good concept. And on its face with the violence and the nudity, that's all you should really want out of a slasher movie. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand what the problem is. And, and, you know, getting back to, cause this is all relevant to what we're talking about. Halloween three, I feel like it has Halloween three season of the witch has all those elements that for a movie of the time, 1982, all the elements that you would desire out of a film of its, of its, uh, you know, likeness are there, but because it's missing that element and then, you know, five, five, ten people go see it in the theaters. Oh, it's dog shit. Michael Myers wasn't in it. You don't want to go see it because everyone expects cause that Halloween name. I don't think that at the time, no one, I know John Carpenter, uh, Deborah Hill, all those people had no idea that Halloween would become arguably the most iconic Halloween, you know, seasonal movie of all time. I feel like that, I mean, it's called Halloween, obviously, but like, I don't think that the name Michael, they thought the name Michael Myers would be ingrained into pop culture the way it had the way it is and, and was even at that time that people were so ready for another Michael Myers film that when they didn't get it, they it immediately, you know, it, it cut this film off at the knees. And we've just really not. It took like we said, it took, you know, uh, 20, 25 years before people are like, oh, like, OK, Tommy Lee Wallace is going to do a convention and, 
you know, people are going there and they're getting Halloween three things signed or Tom Atkins. The first first person I ever met ever at any horror convention was Tom Atkins. Now, me too. Oh, nice. There you go. And uh, I had yeah, to uh, Living Dead weekend last year. Oh, nice, nice. How, now, I this is this is going to be an Atkins hour here for a, a quick minute because <laughs> Atkins is the man. So we met him. Me and uh, two of uh, my friends who are our are usual ho- co-hosts on this show, Sean and Brian, we went to Horror Hound uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, in two thousand eight, and it was their first horror convention. And we go in this room, and it was just one room, and Elvira was out in the, like, lobby area signing at her table. And then we go into this room, and we literally, I was just like, I was like, holy shit, there's fucking Savini's here, Gunnar Hansen's behind me, uh, you know, like, uh, a million different people are there. And then, like, so we're just walking around, we're just like, uh, like, I don't want to be, like, awkward meeting, like, these guys or anything. So we go to Tom Atkins and like before we could even we hadn't even decided like as a collective group we're like who who are we going to like uh you know try to meet first like do we separate do I felt like a little like a like a half idiot kid just not knowing what to do and before we could even say anything we turn the corner and we're standing in front of Tom Atkins table and he's just sitting there and he pops up like there was a spring under his ass and he's like hey boys how you doing and he's just like, how are we doing today? And I was just like, oh, my God. I was like, hey, what's up, Tom? And he's just like, how are we doing, boys? Are we doing good today? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have some fun here this weekend. He's just like, he's like, there's a lot of you guys out here that today. There's uh, you guys partying tonight? Where's the party at? And it was just, he's like smacking his hands together. And we're like, oh, yeah, we drove down. Drove down? Where'd you drive from? Was it a long and we're just like, oh, we uh, drove from Syracuse, Sy- New York. Where the hell? You're whoa. <laughs> He's just like, this is great. He's just like, you guys going back? You guys get a hotel? Yeah, yeah. You're doing some boozing tonight. You got a little Miller. And I, I, I mean, they don't. They didn't really drink at the time, and I've never drank, so I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, of course. Tom Atkins sure. asked. Tom Atkins <laughs> asked you if it's Miller time. You fucking say yes. Uh, <laughs> edge or no edge um yeah exactly <laughs> uh but he was like he was hilarious he was super kind and that like kind of in, in, in you know indoctrinated us into like meeting people and going to like horror conventions and stuff like that and that dude like and even now like uh we ended up uh running into him uh eric who is uh, a co-host of the show went on and um and decided to get something else signed by Atkins because he had met Atkins before, but we were we were standing there and he was in a room with Romero and stuff, and he was just like hilarious. And my buddy Eric is a, a Steelers fan, so he's just like he's like, oh, they got a good team this year. It's gonna be good. Like, <laughs> and my gr- my girlfriend just like walked by and just kind of she has like a, a you know a, a resting like I'm not impressed with you face sometimes. And Tom Atkins smacks her on her gar- arm and goes, hey, cheer up. <laughs> and it, it, was the, it was the funniest fucking thing ever. And I was just like, that is Dude, like. I got <laughs> to give you credit here because your inflection is so spot on for him. <laughs> I'm thoroughly impressed. <laughs> 
maybe it's all the maybe it's all the special features I've watched from him. But he was just, and he was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, and like uh, Brian, we call him BT. He's like sign. He gets like something from Lethal Weapon sign, and he's just like, "All right, here's Sonny. What's your name?" And he's like, "Uh, uh, BT." He's like, "Frank." He goes, "No, BT." <laughs> and he's just like, "B <laughs> BT." All right. We're going to get you fixed up right here, right now. And uh, you boys enjoy the weekend. Like, he was just, like, on another level as far as just, like, and he's still, like, we, dude, we saw him, like, I don't even know. It was, like, eight, nine years later when we saw him at that other one. And then he was just still, like, this, and the dude's in his 80s. And he, mm-hmm. he, he he's, he's showing more, like, spunk and, like, togetherness than some of these, like, 30-year-old kids that are at these conventions that are signing in. And it's, uh. And he's someone I, I feel like has always respected the movies he's done. He's never, but he was a kind of a genre darling at the same time too. But he he never tried to take a backhanded whack at any of those films. I feel like he took those roles, and even like Detective Cameron in Night of the Creeps and stuff like that. He took those roles, even though even when they would seem a little goofy, especially like the Detective Cameron role in Night of the Creeps, he played it so straight that that's what made it funny, and. He he never he never like disrespects the genre. Even when some people, his contemporaries, I think, even kind of even disrespect. They're like, yeah, yeah, that movie wasn't that great. He never, you never hear him try to trash talk any of the films he's been in. I mean, and maybe that's a credit to the films because I feel like I haven't seen Tom Atkins in a bad film, but right. But it's it's funny you yeah. mentioned Night of the Creeps too because. Um, I, I've heard him on, you know, in, in countless interviews and even the Q and a, he did after Halloween three last year, uh, at our science center here, somebody asked him like, what is the favorite, what's your favorite role you've ever done? And he like, he doesn't even think about it. He goes, no, the creeps. That's, that was so fun to make. <laughs> the character was fun. It was, you know, he just said he had a fucking blast doing it. So yeah, I've never heard him say anything bad about any of the horror movies he's been in any of the dramas. I think he like really understands like, you know, no matter what the merit of a film he's done or anything really, because even locally he did the chief where he played, um, you know, the, the founder of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then uh, a couple years ago, Ben saw him play Ebenezer Scrooge in uh, a Christmas Carol. Oh my and God. Even then, like, yeah, and he had no idea. I can't remember when he told this story on the show, but he said like his family went down, and they're like in the lobby, just he and he's just like fucking around, looking through the program. He goes, "Ebenezer Scrooge, Tom Atkins." He goes, "Holy shit!" That's <laughs> his family. Like, what? Insane. What? <laughs> he's oh, like, Tom, you, that's Tom Atkins. Can like, you, who's that? <laughs> can you fucking? I, I can't wait to have. Ben, I gotta have uh, you and Ben both on the show because. I, I just I gotta hear I gotta hear him explain this story because can you imagine going to see a Christmas Carol and you fucking see that Tom Atkins' name is on the goddamn program and you're there and Atkins is playing Scrooge, insane. Dude, I'd be doing cartwheels like this is totally inappropriate. Seri- I do not care. Yeah, seriously. Oh my god. Uh, but yeah, there's just like Jamie Lee Curtis when she did the first Halloween. I do feel like she kind of. After she was over the the horror thing with Halloween and Terror Train, and then she went on that. I mean, honestly, it was after Trading Places in 
three, I think that film was. After that, mm-hmm. she started getting, she got noticed more, and I think she she got bigger roles. And there was a period in the '90s, and I believe it was around the time True Lies came out, that she was asked about like, you know, it's it's such and such many years after Halloween, like, you know, what do you think about? Would you ever return to the franchise or something like that? And she said something really like offhanded about like. Uh, you know, she doesn't really, she doesn't do those movies anymore. And, and I did a whole episode about this, how, you know, uh, actors and, and uh, you know, filmmakers and things like that try to downplay the genre. Like it's, I mean, very similar to like, you know, there's no like heavy metal like award thing at like the Grammys and stuff like that. And when they do have it, it's untelevised when they give the award away. Right. And like the best, it's usually to a band that's like kind of borderline. No, no, absolutely. It's like when Jethro Tull won the best metal album over Metallica. (laughs) Metallica. (laughs) Like that just goes to show you how like clueless they are. But like, and this is, it's interesting to have you on to discuss this because you're someone who enjoys heavier music. Um, Mm-hmm. So we like some we like music that isn't seen as like you know the uh, the mainstream or, or or you know it's it's you know it's it's not the average person doesn't listen to it and I know that sounds like beaten to death like oh you know the average person doesn't listen to incendiary like you know uh, we know but <laughs> but at the same time when you have something like that and you have uh, like horror that's kind of just seen. Uh, as the same way, we're like, oh, yeah, those are like, you know, low rent, like B grade, like not is like, but how, I mean, the fact that she would say that in the 90s blows my mind because Halloween was like, it's one of the most recognized. Like when you say Michael Myers, it's like saying Jason Voorhees, it's like saying Freddy Krueger, people know, even people that aren't even yeah. like that. And I would say probably seventy, probably seventy percent. This is just my my numbers. Seventy percent of those people say they know who John Carpenter is too, or they they at least know the name is connected to Halloween. Right. Whereas, and 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 I talked about this in a whole episode where I talked about how horror is so bastardized. You know, I love the Back to the Future movies. I love those movies. Many people love those films. But if I walked up to 10 people, if you and I walked up to 10 people right now, Greg, and we said, who's the director of the first Back to the Future? They wouldn't know it was Robert Zemeckis. Right. And I, I, I love Robert too, Zemeckis. Of the popul- yeah. And I think because of the popularity of Halloween, but then having, it's literally John, John Carpenter's, Carpenter's Halloween. Yes. It wasn't Robert Zemeckis's Back to the Future. Like, right. Then maybe people would know, but it's like, it's almost part of the title. Right. Exactly. And, uh, but like sticking on Zemeckis and I felt bad after I kind of used him as my, uh, as my, uh, you know, battering ram, uh, on that episode. <laughs> but cause I was just like, cause I immediately was like, oh, Zemeckis did back to the future. Everyone knows fucking back to the future bad. And I was just like, Forrest Gump, perfect example. There aren't drama conventions and people aren't going to drama conventions to have Gary Sinise sign their Forrest Gump poster. I guarantee, dude, we can, dude, we can go when the pandemic's over, we're going to meet up at a, at a, at a mutual ground for a convention and you and I are going to walk around and we're going to ask 70 people, do you have a Forrest Gump poster? And I guarantee it, but I guess 
within those 70 people, we'll find someone that's got a Halloween three poster. Granted, if we're at a oh, horror, con- if, we're, if we're at a horror convention, maybe, maybe we, maybe we'll go to the mall. We'll go to the local mall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, that's what I'm saying. I would like, say too. I let me, let me, let me pause this real quick. If there were a drama convention and Gary Sinise were there, I would not have him sign a Forrest Gump poster. I would definitely get an empty pint of ice cream and have him sign <laughs> Or a bedpan where he puts the ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where you put your ice cream. But... <laughs> now I feel like, because I've used Forrest Gump too as the go-to movie where it's just like, people don't give a, f- like people love Forrest Gump and I love Forrest Gump. I think it's a great film. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like there isn't like fanaticism for those movies the way there is for genre films is pretty much what I'm getting mm. at. Like, I there's probably three podcasts that have talked about Forrest Gump. Like, I'm about ready to record. This is one of three episodes that I'm going to be doing on Halloween three because I had several people yeah. say like, "Oh no, I have to talk about how we got to talk about Halloween three because <laughs> Halloween three is that." And for someone like you to say. Listen, this isn't this isn't just like one of my favorite horror movies. This is one of my favorite movies. Now, mm-hmm. if if you could explain what like makes it surpass that, where okay, this isn't just one of my favorite horror movies. This is one of my favorite movies. So if someone said, you know, Greg, what's what's some of your favorite movies? And you drop Halloween three, and someone says, you know, what about this movie resonates with you so much? that you put it in your short list of your favorite movies. I usually have a lot of um, criteria when it comes to, you know, just movies that I hold very dear movies that I enjoy. And also within the scores that I give on the show, because we do rate every movie we do out of 10. Um, But a big one for me is rewatchability and Halloween three has it. There's stuff that I still catch, um, you know, on, you know, the 30th, 40th rewatch. Um, I think it's fun. Um, you know, like I, I watch it, you know, it's what 94 minutes, something like that. And it goes by very quickly. Um, you know, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I'm a sucker for practical effects, uh, and just like a super weird off the wall story. Um, I will say as far as like just favorite movies, you know, as a society, I have like, a really weird top five. Uh, so it's usually in, in no particular order, better off dead Halloween three night of the creeps slap shot and sudden death. And the, like most of those are nobody's favorite movie. <laughs> I, I, I want to give you supreme props for sudden death. Amazing. I mean, it, up until uh, Ben made his uh, most recent feature that should be coming out soon. That was the only movie I'd ever been in attendance uh, for a day of filming. Oh, so, wow. Not only is it fun and it has to, you know, it revolves around the Pittsburgh Penguins playing game seven of the Stanley Cup final at the the arena that I grew up going to games at. But, you know, I have the sentimental attachment of my dad taking me to a day of filming and sitting in the crowd and watching them get all this game footage like on top of it just being a kick ass movie. And I usually don't like action movies, but that one just I've watched it so, so much. And I just love the story that, you know, it, it. fulfills the criteria a lot like halloween 3 does you're gonna you're gonna score points with uh my buddy eric because he is uh he's a pittsburgh penguins fan as well as a steelers fan and uh man he he as well loves uh loves that movie and 
it was just I just had to make a post. I had to celebrate JCVD's uh, 60th birthday because he, he's my favorite of all time. As that. far as oh my god, uh, that's amazing <laughs> that you you were able to go to a day of filming of that. That is going to be a talking point uh, with 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 Eric. Uh, I can't wait to tell him that because he's going to get a kick out of it. But so you got two oh, Atkins, yeah. you got two Atkins movies in your in your top list there. I love it. And, and you know what? If I were to expand it, I'd probably throw a creep show in there too. So <laughs> like, yeah. it, I'm a, I celebrate the man's entire catalog. <laughs> you, I, <laughs> that it's just, but that's what I like that. That's just something. I mean, it speaks to, you know, you and Ben do a whole podcast on on eighties horror movies. What, uh, like, I mean, Atkins, uh, you, the, the fog creep show, Halloween three, Night of the Creeps. That's like the first Zepl- the four Zeppelin albums. Like there isn't a fucking bad song yeah. on on like. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, that that's like the four the first four Metallica records. Like, you imagine having that. Like, he could have never been in another film beyond that. He didn't have to do have a small role in Lethal Weapon. He didn't have to come back and be in My Bloody Valentine, the the, the remake or anything like that. Those four movies right there are like the shit of Kings right there. As far as the genre, the the genre goes creep show is, I mean, I've never met someone that is disliked creep show. And I don't ever want to meet someone that dislikes creep show (laughs) Just stay away from me. (laughs) Like I can't have that kind of shit in my life. That's like saying, I don't like pizza. I just can't, I can't be, I can't be around it. I just, uh, (laughs) can't process it. No, I really can't. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> there's um so the the mask the silver shamrock masks as well they have one they're some of the coolest looking masks ever and those are, have become popularized in in such a way that i'm seeing more art at conventions i'm seeing more you know people are i mean greg 15 years ago if someone told me that like uh say this this company gutter garbs who i love uh, mm-hmm. if someone told me like, oh, there's a horror company doing Hall and Halloween three, like officially licensed shirts, I would have said bullshit. And like gutter, <laughs> gutter garbs has like, it's like five or six, like Halloween three shirts now, because there is that fandom. There it has gotten to that point where like the, the movie has reached that point where there's enough people. Cause I mean, don't get me wrong. I love and I, and I know you guys weren't huge at it, but like I love sorority babes and the slime ball bolorama. But no one, there isn't enough fans of that movie for them to make five T-shirts on a on a horror merch site. <laughs> like, hey, you might get them from Full Moon with that sequel yeah, coming out. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't think Fright Rags or like Cavity Colors are picking up that property anytime soon. <laughs> I don't even know what you would do. You do like the movie poster, that's a given. But could you do like a like an Uncle Uncle Impy is my homeboy shirt? Like, I, I don't even know. Like, where do you even go from there? <laughs> I mean, I, I could definitely see it. I don't, I can't say I would buy one, (laughs) but, but but, I guess the point I'm getting at is, you know, 15 years ago, I feel like even, even just 15 years ago, I I feel like there weren't people that like, were like, eh, Halloween three, but like, as like, you know, Blu-rays with, with more special features and anniversary collections and the uptick of people rediscovering or discovering for the first time, like, 
you got to think in the the mid 2000s and the late 2000s there's people that are finally going back and being like oh like i remember these movies like i never owned them on vhs oh it's out on on dvd or blu-ray i'm gonna go back what was halloween 3 like and going and finding it and discovering that oh wow there's this movie within the franchise that isn't related to michael myers it's its own spin-off uh and it, it backfired so bad at the time i mean it actually made money it profited well I, I believe it was a six million dollar budget. And I think they made like twenty seven million. So it made its it's made its money back three or four times over. If I if I maybe I'm mm-hmm. mistaken, but I think it was in that range. So it made its money, uh, but people I I think the vast majority of the audience felt so deceived that it wasn't a Michael Myers film that it just it it kind of for for lack of a better term got blackballed and, and kind of shunned from from the horror community. Yeah. Um, just to uh, clarify, it was made for two and a half million, made six point three its opening weekend and grossed fourteen four. Fourteen four, uh, okay. Worldwide. So yeah. Yeah. So you're definitely uh you know, you're definitely right on that. But even going back to um just how much like the everybody loves the license, all three of the bit like the big three like horror merch uh, you know, houses, Fright Rags, Gutter Garbs, Cavity Colors, they all have Halloween three license and they made pretty big collections out of that. Um, obviously, you know, uh, a lot of people, like you said, do like fan art for it. I even, uh, you know, when I was working at spirit, uh, one of our, the first customers came in was wearing a Halloween three face mask that they got from house of mysterious secrets. And I was oh just my like, God. that's incredible. <laughs> like you literally see it everywhere. You know, people make, you know, bootleg enamel pins and, posters and all this other stuff so like it it, it's so strange that kind of out of the blue it was kind of you know historically revised uh where everyone's like no this is a good movie i don't care what the you know uh reception of it was when it came out uh you know i i like it for what it is you know and i wonder if it almost took getting a couple really bad michael myers based movies for people to be like, you know, Halloween three is not so bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think after five and six, I got a soft spot in my heart for. But then, like after Resurrection, maybe maybe that early two those early two thousands too, when we got Resurrection, and then people are like, all right. In comparison, Halloween three ain't so goddamn bad. <laughs> it doesn't have Michael Myers, but it also it also doesn't <laughs> doesn't have. The shit that that movie had, the kid from the fucking yeah. smart- doesn't have Buster Rhymes drop kicking anybody. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and it's uh, like you said, it's it's even the, you know, the the three masks from it are, are identifiable now. Uh, the the mm-hmm. the Silver Shamrock's novelty thing. I I feel like I've seen multiple Silver Shamrock, uh, you know, related merchandise as well from the film, and uh, yeah, like like you said, the the. Three big uh, horror merch companies all have licensed Halloween three material. So, uh, do you have uh, do you have a favorite art? Do you uh, do you prefer any any specific art? Do you like the original theatrical uh, poster art? Uh, have you found like any kind of art that you've uh, you've liked from the film? Uh, that like I for- there's so many po- like mock posters and fan posters and stuff like that, but like yeah, I know there was a couple different uh, Halloween three ones. Uh, I think one of the teaser posters was just the television with the pumpkin on it, 
and it wasn't an official uh, poster, but it was like a teaser poster. Right. Um, I, I gotta say, I am a big sucker for like the original like slipcase where it's got like the silhouette of the three kids, uh, you know, and, and the tagline and everything, uh, and just that like that like name logo with like the the big embossed letters and then season of the witch underneath it yeah um i've always i've always just been you know just you know give me a plain hamburger basically <laughs> when, it, when it comes to halloween 3 uh iconography but there is i can't remember who made it but there was the um it was like a comic book panel of chalice on the phone with like the tv company at the very end yeah um but i i tried to find out who ended up printing that uh, but I, I, I couldn't remember. I did find the picture of it, though. And I really, really like that. And there's also, I can't remember where I find it. It might have been on eBay. Very close to pulling the trigger on this, maybe about two years ago. But somebody made a mock final processing, like, placard. And I was oh just like, God. I, I, I need that. I, I can't go on living my life if this isn't hanging up in my office. <laughs> <laughs> That's but so unfortunately, good. I was wrong. I, I I could you know just very easily go on living my life because if I couldn't, I wouldn't be here today because I didn't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> someone posted uh, at the beginning of this month, and I saw it. I think on Twitter, someone posted uh, uh, that they had just started like a new job and they were in like the uh, whatever you want to call it, like a meeting room or whatever. And they were leaving, and they saw someone put a Tom Atkins as Chalice with the phone. Where it says stop it, and they're just they, they so there was a sign I guess in this meeting room that said if you have your phone out during a meeting, and they just had like the outlaw the picture of of him saying stop it next to the sign that someone That's got out put there, and he's like this is gonna be a great place to work, <laughs> dude. If I saw that, I'd be like I'm never leaving. Yeah. I don't care how bad it gets. <laughs> like you could just. You could just harass me into the, like the ether, like yeah. somebody put up a sign with Tom Atkins' face on it. Like I'm sticking around. Yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a sworn soldier to to whatever uh, establishment that is for sure. Um. <laughs> so I guess if you also my uh, my mention about the guest is there's a nice Halloween three homage in that film. Uh. So. Mm. On top of having an amazing synth soundtrack as, as well, so if you Greg, if you Big do get a sucker for that, if you do get a chance, check that out. Dan Stevens will do. Dan Stevens is in it. He he plays a, a phenomenal role in that. In the it's very throwback in the best sense. It doesn't feel you know. I don't feel pandered to watching it. It's very it's very good, and uh, you should you should check it out. If if not only for the Halloween three uh, homage in it. I'm sold, man. <laughs> Hell yes. So I guess to uh, to wrap up this episode, Greg, if you could, if someone either has not seen Halloween 3 Season of the Witch or if they haven't seen it in a while and they're, they're, they're cold and or lukewarm on it, what would, what would be, you know, your selling point to checking this out. I mean, obviously if you, if you're checking this episode out and you just heard the two of us, uh, you know, babble on about it, you pretty much get the point. But if someone walked up to you tomorrow, and was just like, I either haven't seen Halloween three or I haven't seen it in a while. And I, I don't remember liking it. I think it's stupid because Michael Myers wasn't in it. What's your selling point to someone that is, is of that mindset? 
completely forget the title. Um, you know, if you take the Halloween title out of the equation, it's a very unique and bizarre premise. Uh, you know, it's got an equal amount, thrills, gore, mystery. Um, you know, like we said, you know, enough gets explained, but some stuff gets left in the dark, but like in a good way. Um, you know, uh, obviously, you know, the direction by Tommy Lee Wallace, the acting, the score, the effects, um, everything's incredible. Um, I mean, you, you get to see, you know, a, a legendary stuntman like Dick Warlock fucking rip a vagrant's head off <laughs> in a very graphic fashion. Uh, I mean, if, if that can't sell you, I, I really don't know what to tell you. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. So if you're, if you're on the fence, uh, as Greg said, the first thing to do, forget that it's called Halloween three, pretend it's called season of the mm-hmm. witch. And, uh, yeah, that'll, uh, that'll wrap up part one of legacy week for Halloween three season of the witch. Now, Greg, where can people find neon brainiacs in eighties, uh, horror movie exploration? Uh, you can find us pretty much uh, anywhere you find the Heart God Media Podcast, anywhere you find podcasts in general, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever your podcatcher of choice is. Uh, you can also follow us on you know social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you can find us at Neon Brainiacs on that. Um, dig into our archives. We've got over 160 episodes, uh, You know, probably close to a dozen bonuses, most of which we did over quarantine. Uh if I can plug our shirts real quick, Absolutely. Uh, we're, doing, we're taking pre-orders for uh, our very first T-shirt. They look so sick. My uh, my good friend Jeff, who guested on our Evil Dead episode uh, last month, drew us up just a sick ass logo. Um, so uh, you know, find those on our social media. There's ordering information on there, and uh, yeah, just uh, support independent horror, uh, support horror podcasts. Uh, you know, just anybody that's really putting their heart and soul into this. Like you do, Jesse, um, you know, everybody's got really cool content and just, uh, support people where, whenever you can. Absolutely. And that's, uh, I think that's the best part about being in the horror podcast community. I mean, the horror community in and of itself, but in the podcast community as well is just finding like-minded people and finding people that dedicate time. Cause I think it, it gets lost. Um, on people, the the amount of time and, and dedication it takes to to run a podcast, especially when we're not the Joe Rogans of the world that are getting you know right. the the uh, Spotify money and checks and things like that, we're doing it literally as a labor. money at all. <laughs> no, none. I mean, it's a it's a one hundred percent labor of labor of love, and the uh, the payment mm-hmm. the payment is one hundred percent just finding like minded people like uh, like you and Ben and being able to uh, do crossover episodes and. Uh, I love your guys' podcast. Uh, I it's one of my favorites, and uh, I love listening to you guys every week. And uh, it's been uh, it's been a blast to to cross over with you guys, and hopefully to to do more for sure. Hell yeah, man! We will definitely be doing more in the future. Absolutely. And as uh, Greg said, you can find them on Instagram and Twitter. Neon Brainiacs. Uh, they have a new shirt. I can vouch it is pretty sick with a bloody skeleton arm holding a VHS tape. It's pretty damn sick, so go put, place yourself a, a pre-order for a Neon Brainiacs t-shirt and uh, check them out. They're available, as Greg said, wherever uh, you get your podcast. So uh, there it is. You got Greg from, with two Gs, uh, from 
the oh, neon yeah. the neon brainiacs podcast vouching that you need to check out halloween 3 season of the witch this has been part one of legacy week and uh we're gonna have two more parts for you to drive this home about how much this movie reeks of awesomeness how great it is and why it <laughs> needs to uh needs to be uh talked about explored and uh celebrated and god damn it we're doing it and this has been <laughs> the heart guide media podcast legacy week part one season of the witch halloween three